You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Sarah Mall is the founder and CEO of InSocial, a fast-growing virtual event and e-commerce company pioneering virtual hospitality in the craft beverage space. Check this out. Hey, Sarah Mall is here. She's going to discuss her journey from creative director in the New York fashion industry founder CEO of Ben Social. Uh, so Sarah, tell us like from fashion to wine, has it always been in the background quietly at the big fashion shows? And like, give us your entry into fashion and the transition. Sure. I mean, let's see. So we'll back it up even further. I actually grew up uh, on stage pretty much, uh, stage dancer, musical theater. So I started my college career uh, pursuing a musical theater degree. Uh, ultimately realized that was probably not the most lucrative career path and uh, took a little break mid-college career, went to London for a while on a study abroad program. I was trying to figure out what the heck do I do, but I had always had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of interest in the creative arts and doing things with my hands. And so fashion seemed like a great, a great plan. So I came back, uh, got a double degree in fashion design and sort of the business side. And, you know, New York is the inevitable best place to end up. Um, I grew up in Missouri, went to college there as well, Midwest girl. And just dove headfirst, worked in the industry in the accessory side of the business. So I was designing, you know, all types of accessories, you know, shoes, bags, the like for a decade. And just ultimately, at the end of the day, wasn't fulfilled, had a little, well, quite a lot of ethical conflict, I think, at the end of the day, you know, with the industry at large, and uh, maybe a few too many trips to Chinese factories sort of did Uh, me in. So human human treatment and animal (laughs) treatment, so ethical stuff. Yeah. And, but, you know, living in New York City, of course, uh, such a playground for culinary, the culinary arts, dining. And that became my new creative outlet was really dining and drinking my way through the city, taking lots of, you know, recreational cooking classes and having that be, you know, kind of my creative outlet um, from my day job. So about two years before I did the full, you know, pull the ripcord on my career, I was plotting what was going to be the next chapter. And um, I knew it was going to be somewhere in hospitality in culinary world, wasn't quite sure. So took a little sabbatical and did some soul searching and ended up ultimately at the International Culinary Center's pro wine program. Just said, let's go for it. Dive straight into the deep end of the pool. And that's actually where I met our friend Fred Dex and lots of other amazing master sommeliers who are, are you know, mentors, teachers, and the rest is history, as they say, my friend. <laughs> Freddie said you did a lot of great stuff behind the scenes with Psalm Slam. So tell people what Psalm Slam is. Psalm Slam, yes. Oh my gosh, that's so much fun. That was this Star Chefs, Star Chefs International, um, their uh, annual uh, sort of Chefs Congress they put on, which was a culinary and wine oriented trade show. Uh, and we would bring in, I think, roughly 10 sort of up and coming psalms 
from all over the country and they would compete head to head for the title of, you know, Psalm Slam champion. We put them through the ringer on, you know, blind tasting and theory. And we'd make them, we'd bring in chefs and make them pair wines on the fly and explain why they worked. And the whole audience, we would put together about 40 different members of the trade to judge them. So it was very high pressure and uh, just a ton of fun. So I did that for, I think, like three or four years with Fred. He was the MC. And I was I like, like 19. I, lo- I like it because it, it sounds so punk. But yet it's so nerdy. That's, totally. that's, that's why I love it. So <laughs> Only entertaining for those of us uh, that are true wine nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so is there a wine a moment that you had where you're like, I love this community, but then I go into my normal day life and my friends don't know anything about wine? And yeah, so where does I mean, the teaching idea come up for? Where does it, so basically, what's the birth of VinSocial? I mean, I'd say, you know, before I even got really into wine professionally, I traveled a lot, you know, as much as I could afford (laughs) working in fashion, right? And living in New York City, uh, which is like kind of an oxymoron. And, uh, but traveled to Italy, traveled to France and, you know, really getting to experience the way the Europeans kind of approach wine, which is it's, it's so integrated into their life and being able to get to the source was really just that spark that really lit my heart um, to, to meet these artisans, hear their stories and really see how much culture and all the things that I love, right? You know, there's so much more than just the wine in the glass uh, when it comes to the wine experience. So I would say that was the initial flame. And then, you know, as I knew I wanted to work in some capacity without a real plan in the business. And while I was in school, um, you know, I talk a lot about this, but my peer network were not from the hospitality industry. I was sort of an outsider coming in. And while, you know, everyone in the community has always been extraordinarily welcoming and helpful, um, my peer network had sort of the opposite, I guess, um, perspective, which is that it sort of seems like it can be clubby. It sort of seems like the industry can be hard to penetrate. For some reason, there's a ton of intimidation factor around wine. I think those of us that are so close to it sometimes don't see that, but it was very obvious. So I thought, hmm, why is that? Because now I'm on the inside looking out and I'm just realizing how incredible the people of this industry are and how much they love to share, how much they love to open their arms. So how can I be the bridge and how can I create something that will um, remove that stigma? And so that's really where Vin Social began was how do I as someone now, quote, in the trade, getting all this great access to these makers when they'd come in town and these cool people and these cool experiences, how do we extend that to the wine enthusiast audience who really just wants to be, uh, you know, have a seat at the table? Right. And, and uh, how many times do you have to sit at a table or go to dinner with friends and someone says, it's a big special occasion. Let's get a bottle of like Newton unfiltered Merlot or let's get some Opus. And you're like, wait a minute. Stop. <laughs> No, no. And, and like after a while, I mean, all my friends who aren't in the wine business, I, I try to steer them in the right direction into exactly what you're saying, into wines with a the, with the family history, uh, exactly. growers uh, that are really caring, caretakers for the land. Uh, yeah. And this, but particularly in this day and age when we're so concerned about what we put in our body, uh, we should be conscious to what wine we are drinking. So, so then this starts to happen. And then, so the Vin Social took off or started in what, 2013? Very informally. I would call it my, you know, my test kitchen years were really, you know, I'd say 2000, 
I went to, let's see, 2013 or 14 was when I was in school mm-hmm. and um, in wine school. So fun. Uh, and then it was about test kitchening. I was just being very experimental. I didn't really have a business plan. It was just, hey, who, where can I pop up and do some experiences, invite people, anyone that's interested and really create kind of unconventional experiences around wine and as much as possible, bring these makers in, in, which is, you know, kind of where, you know, my early relationship with y'all at T. Edward was, mm-hmm. hey, you're bringing these winemakers in for your trade portfolio tasting. Can I borrow them for a consumer facing event? Right. I'll sell, I'll sell the tickets. I'll do all the work. I and- love the human recycling aspect of that. That is so, yeah, right? that is so fucking cool. <laughs> but so it was a lot of just, you know, kind of underground quote wine tastings as we called it and um, experimenting and building my network. I was also, you know, working at bottle shops and working as many trade events as I could and just trying to expand my, my network and my connections. And um, but then I started getting picked up by companies hiring VinSocial to produce these types experiences for them to entertain their clients, entertain their teams. And that's when I realized, okay, there's some money here. (laughs) And uh, it started to, you know, become clear that I needed to really make this more of a formal business. And after doing, you know, probably hundreds of different events, another thing became very clear, which is that I'm going to great lengths to curate these hidden gems, as I like to call them, that I'm wanting my guests at any even social to feel like this is an an exploration. It's a moment of discovery of something I would never have encountered before. And they, I want to be associated with the one who introduced them to this. And so they have this amazing time. These wines are incredible. Of course, the stories, you know, everyone's euphoric after the event. Can I buy these wines from you? Or where can I buy these wines, Sarah? And it's like, well, I don't know. Probably find this one in this corner, you know, dusty corner of this Brooklyn wine shop and or whatever. So that's when I set out very naively to create an e-commerce business. <laughs> right. By the way, this is way before the DTC craze, I would say, that now where everybody and their brother has a wine club. Um, you're you're mm-hmm. ahead of it. And that must have been incredibly difficult. So how did you manage to get all that in place and a figure way to actually monetize this, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of um, dead ends, to be completely honest with you, a lot of legal bills around lawyers telling me how it couldn't work. And, but I was pretty damn persistent, like, no, this can work, this will work. Um, And so ultimately, it became, you know, VinSocial is still today, very much a a network of partnerships behind the scenes that make things happen. And uh, so I was able to get uh, our our first website launched in 2019, VinSocial's version of a wine club meets social club, you know, very experiential forward, but quarterly deliveries of great wines that we're curating, um, featuring a, a region. So six fitners from a region every quarter, all their stories. You really felt like there was an educational aspect to um, then COVID <laughs> happened. And I was planning to expand that. Um, we, we launched it, you know, beta in just for New York residents. And then we're planning to expand that nationally, had all the puzzle pieces in place. And then when COVID hit, uh, a very unexpected tidal wave kind of took us in a totally different direction, which is large and small companies alike were all of a sudden extremely desperate for how do they keep whining and dining their business relationships when what we know of hospitality is effectively shut down and for how long. So we rapidly and aggressively pivoted into the virtual event space and really uh, just went full hog on virtual events and for corporate audiences. 
So here, here's a question for you. If mm-hmm. COVID never happened, do you think uh, where you are now, which I'm not interested in asking about the dollar amount, but do yes. you think that it really helped your business? Like you wouldn't have achieved this kind of uh, uh, success and network if it didn't happen? Because obviously uh, COVID was an amazing uh, force for retail to be successful. All of a yeah. sudden, everyone's buying stuff through retail, restaurants are closed. Did that in turn help your business? 100,000%. I mean, listen, it wasn't what the plan was, but in a way, it's like I had all the right ingredients. I just had to rewrite the recipe and also be opportunistic. You know, it actually, in a way, I feel like Vin Social has always been a little bleeding edge. We're kind of ahead of our time. Right. And the ability to do what we do, which is bring people together in a scalable way, was going to be really freaking hard to do in physical format. Whereas I've got to have teams in all these different markets and we're doing these events. And all of a sudden I was delivered on a platter, the solution, which is virtual events. Genius. I can now have a national community that is unrestricted by geography. I now have the infrastructure to deliver the same product to all of them nationally because I was I had already built it for my e-commerce business. It's just sort of a different way to get in front of this customer where companies that have billions of dollars are paying us to entertain people with why. <laughs> right. So put to put it in perspective, if you did an event, you might have 30 to 50 people there, right? And then you yeah. talk about your the wines that you found and discovered for Argentina or Tuscany. And then you have those people who would purchase the wine. So the scale of that compared to now, people hit a Zoom link and how many people log on? 300, 500, 600? It really depends. Actually, we because we're hosting private events on behalf of huge companies like right. Salesforce and Amazon and Verizon, you name it, these are private closed virtual events. So they often, you know, our sweet spot, I would say maybe under 50 because these are about right. entertaining important business relationships, either clients that they want to, you know, build sentiment for deeper relationships with, or people that they're looking to, you know, usher through the funnel and get a sale done. Right. So, uh, but we're doing a lot of them, right. Because we can do concurrent events. I can do 10 events a day. So in a way um, it actually had the byproduct benefit that I was always looking for, which is how do I help these craft makers? Good for you. Right. right. And now I'm able to serve them as an innovative sales and marketing channel. We build every one of our event programs are actually built around a specific brand. So we ship, you know, two bottles of brand A or brand B or brand C for an experience. And then we spend the entire duration of that event um, telling their story Um obviously walking our guests through an interactive exploration of the product itself and really fostering hopefully a strong affinity and, and perhaps you know lasting loyalty to this brand because then they may have met the maker because it's so much easier to get a winemaker on a zoom call or a you know a, a live stream event than than to have them fly to New York and you know, for so one there's night no, there's no actual expense really there's no airfare there's no hotels and like you said you could do multiple events so, so yeah I mean it really is the democratization of access that I was looking to achieve from the beginning with social, So I think it was a blessing in disguise and for sure a silver lining. And it's really where we're going to remain is on the bleeding edge of what's possible in this virtual environment and how much more sort of democratic it is in a way 
Um, you don't have to have the means to fly to Napa and, you know, be there to, to have this experience. We can bring you on this sort of journey through the glass visually with high quality content and production value and obviously amazing wine. But um, it's so just is there, storytelling. Is there, is there any merit now to doing these again in person? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, shoot. Yeah. Selfishly, yes. Like I want to get back to in-person events. I mean, I miss having that warm buzz of a social gathering and of course, traveling. That's sort of the, this was a lifestyle business by design, right? So we're actually starting to entertain getting back into some in-person events um, with clients, with consumers, but on a very, um, I would call it like, if it's going to be in person, it has to be extraordinary. It has to be, cannot miss Right. One night only, FOMO inducing to the max. Otherwise, just do it virtually. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, I, it's got to be some superstar event, superstar winemaker paired with, you know, mm -hmm. Alan Passard from uh, La Page or something like that. And people go, oh, shit, I got to be there. Um, that's absolutely crazy. And some of this stuff might be trade secret, but is like you have a warehouse now and you're doing your own fulfillment. And um, is that the way it works on the back end? Yeah, we we contract out. That's a third party. We don't we don't we're not like we don't own a warehouse. We don't do all. You know, we have a partner who handles all that for us. We have retail partners that handle the licensing and compliance aspects. It's a pretty. It's gotten pretty complicated because, you know, through this whole explosive growth over the last year and a half, we have actually also expanded beyond wine into cocktails and craft spirits and. We even do coffee tastings and cheese, you know, cheese board making classes and anything that's sort of culinary oriented, culinary or beverage oriented. Um, so we have, you know, some partners direct fulfill. It's it's kind of a tangle, but um, it's, it's it's we couldn't do without partners that are have a, you know, a stake in the game. And so when I first met you, I think you had one other partner. I think it might have been your husband. Yep. <laughs> uh, so it looks like you have quite a substantial team now. Right? Yeah, pretty. We have a, we have a like a pretty small core team. Um, myself as the founder and CEO, uh, my COO Lily, who's incredible. She comes from you know really high caliber event production and talent management, like celebrity talent management. So she she runs the show. <laughs> um, I got someone that manages you know supply chain and and fulfillment kind of customer service, and I've got a. Uh, virtual event technical producers. Wow. Unknown skill I knew I would need on the team, but extraordinarily important because, you know, we're not just doing our events on Zoom. We do do events on Zoom, but we also license a couple um, sort of like Rolls-Royce um, tech platforms that we can, you know, do really like highly produced virtual events on. So I need pros and no technology <laughs> doing that. Not to mention just technical people in general. In fact, we're it, midway through a build of our own custom tech platform that were be a relaunch of InSocial's consumer facing shopping experience and club, as well as service, you know, servicing our, our business line. So that's hopefully Q2. So stay tuned for that. Right. So it seems like you're a step ahead of the DTC, which tends to be just a wine club and there's not a lot of information. There's a lot of not, there's not a lot of storytelling mm -hmm. um, and that's what you're good at. And then of course, sourcing out some of the producers, like you do Forlorn Hope, which is uh, Matthew Rourke's ones with Sierra Foothills, or you do these mm -hmm. really small, consider hyper cool kind of um, producers, which are yeah. hard to find sometimes, but that's the reason why you're, uh, with people would be joining Social because they want to be <laughs> hanging out with the, with, the, with the cool kids, right? 
Exactly. I mean, we really want to be sort of your tastemaker, your very friendly, welcoming tastemaker who's not like, we're too cool for you. We just want to welcome you into the fold. Like, let us do the heavy lift. Like, that's what we love to hunt for and build relationships with these incredible makers. We have very high standards when it comes to quality and story and purpose and, you know, integrity, right? So 100% of the brands that we partner with or, or work with, in any capacity or, you know, small independent business, independently owned businesses, they're committed to sustainability. They make incredible wine. They have an interesting story and, you know, roughly 90% of them have uh, diverse makers or leaders at the helm, right? It's so important that as a woman led and operate a company that we're elevating. So those underrepresented voices um, and making sure they get a stage and we're kind of their, their microphone, if you will. So wh- what is your, favorite event you've done so far what's your favorite event social event like your head blew off you're like oh my god this was i can't believe like everyone was floored by the wine and this person showed up or or it was just like the amount of love in the room or on the zoom call if that's possible oh man uh, just kind of rocked mm-hmm. your world toss up i'd say you know <laughs> the epitome was when i took a group of uh Vin social club members to provence and it was like the ultimate expression of what you want, which is like taking people who have never been to France before to the land, meet the makers, like, you know, just watching people get it. That is, that is, you know, next level when you can see them really like fall head over heels in love for wine, when they get that level of sort of intimacy with a maker and see them for what they are, which is they're really humble farmers and they're doing your wine tasting with muddy boots and dirty overalls. And there's a dog and charcuterie with a dirty knife. Like this is amazing, you know? So I would say that was one of the highlights, but also um, I took my whole team, which, you know, we're not, we're pretty small, but we we did a little offsite in the Willamette Valley in June. And interestingly, it was the first time we had all met in person because I had to scale and hire this team during COVID. And so we had never met and it was just amazing to get everyone together and just cook and share wine. And I had everyone, it was kind of like our fun activity on night one. I said, everyone has to bring a beverage that represents them. Oh, very and, nice. Um, so we got some random stuff. Someone brought almond milk. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry that you're off the team technically, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. He There's was a spouse. I think, I think he's been, uh, I think he's been excommunicated anyway. Um, but yeah, so stuff like that, you know, just Anytime we get, you get to have that real on the ground experience uh, with the makers in the field. It's what's the coolest beverage person bought that night. What's the, what, what's the coolest beverage somebody brought that night. Um, one of our songs, Laura Brown, she had brought, she had recently been up in the Finger Lakes, uh, visiting a bunch of wineries and uh, one of our brand partners is Redtail Ridge, a woman owned winery. And uh, yeah, Nancy Ireland, she gifted Laura this magnum of one of her, um, I think it was her Blanc de Noir, uh, champagne method sparkling and, (laughs) So Laura had like toted it from New York to Nashville, Nashville, and then she went somewhere else. It went all around. So she opened it. It it exploded all over (laughs) us. We're like standing there drenched in like pink bubbles. Um, But it was awesome. It was epic. We got it all on video. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Who else did you see in Oregon that was cool? Uh, Did you see Janie Brooks? 
We did. Yes. Wow. We worked very closely with Brooks. So that was an amazing experience and very, um, emotional. Yeah. I don't know. You know, the story of Jimmy Brooks and his, you know, his death that was far too early in his life. And we, yeah. we tell their, this, their story all the time in our virtual events. And we always get guests who get a little misty eyed and it's, it's a very emotive story. And then being able to be there and like hear it from the team. And it's just very obvious that it is a group of people that are so in love with what they do. So in love with the brand. Um, it was extraordinary. And then we followed that with a visit to Mesa which is directly linked to Brooks oh, because that's sure. where Jimmy Brooks came up and was mentored by Mo Mamtazi. Um, and Mesa has its own incredible story, right? Iranian immigrant family. Now his three daughters run the show and they're amazing. And we had this extraordinary tasting in the cellar with Mo and his daughters. And yeah, it was pretty epic. <laughs> uh, most exciting thing coming out of Oregon, I think is, um, their shards, which I thought were always subpar. And now I see producers like Hayden Fig and of course Cameron and uh, Double Zero um, just totally just changed the whole world for me when I tasted those wines. Uh, I, I, I love Oregon. So that was an amazing place to take the team. It did was. You, did you head into Washington afterwards by any chance? No, we didn't. That'll be next maybe. Yeah, I know. Too much, too little time, too many places. Uh, no, I know. Um, I haven't been up there at all, actually. It's definitely high on my list. I, I, I just love the way that wine just brings people together, that sense of community. Uh, exactly. That's what Vin Social is, right? Exactly. Uh, so I, I, simple. <laughs> it's very, very simple. A lot of people don't know this, but the Last Supper, um, you know, a bunch of people didn't want to go. And then somebody said, wine is, you know, Jesus is going to have wine at the table. And they, oh, fuck. All right, let's go. Oh, so in that, that was the either. That was the origin <laughs> of the, the first Vin Social was actually the Last Supper. Uh, oh, wow. See? Yeah. Um, Jesus was there. It was a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he can make some serious wine. Uh, I guess he would be the best winemaker if we had to give, hmm. give the shout out. What, what's the long term for Ben Social? What's the five-year plan? What's uh, uh, just keep growing? Um, yeah, it's all about growth. It's really about, you know, furthering our brand proliferation around the wine loving consumer audience, you know, we've been very lucky that we had this sort of outlier event really bolster us into a real formal company with like lots of great revenue, which has allowed us to start supporting growth and expansion and realizing a lot of the things that, um, we've been dreaming of, you know, I had went through a fundraise last year, we raised formal, you know, investment capital. So it's been a massive um, evolution for me also as sort of a call like the accidental CEO sometimes, right. right. Um, but it's, it's amazing. And we're just getting started. So really, I think the relaunch of the consumer facing side of what we do this year, we're really excited about. Uh, and for us, if we can be a um, force for good, a hub that really helps these small craft brands, not just domestically, but globally, get more um, airtime and attract more of the right type of consumer, then you know we're going to keep doing this till we're bored or tired or someone wants to purchase our company. <laughs> uh, so, so what's, what's, the next, uh, what's the next quarter? What are you showcasing? What region? So uh, right now with our B2B stuff, it's it's all over the map. I mean, we primarily work with domestic wineries um, for those programs. When we relaunched the 
um, B2C store in Q2, it's actually not going to be so geographically focused anymore, but it is going to be very seasonally merchandised, right? It's like pulling back in my fashion roots and right. curating what I'm calling kind of a seasonal collection of wines, spirits, accessories, sort of lifestyle oriented um, collection of products. Feels like you walked into a digital boutique of where someone, you know, spent a lot of time and energy curating every last detail. So, okay. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to list five things that you uh, have launched and uh, that you're excited about that you should tell people. These are five things you should look for. They could be spirit, coffee, wine, uh, beer. I'll give you mm-hmm. five. Put up five. Okay. Uh, Rendezvous Champagne. Check them out. It's a D2C brand, woman-owned, uh, organic, uh, natural champagne brand. Amazing. We j- we did an amazing program with them and basically blew out their inventory. Um, Milam and Green. Amazing, amazing whiskey company out of Blanco, okay. Texas. Three badass women okay. running that. Um, uh, obviously, Brooks and Mesera, um, Red Tail Ridge, Keep Wines, Forlorn Hope, uh, okay. Kamusha. Do you know Kamusha? I don't know Kamusha. Talk to me. Incredible South African brand uh, with a, a black Zimbabwean winemaker. Nice. Um, yeah. That's perfect. All right. I uh, say so we're at the part of the show where uh, God comes to you and he says, hey, you know, we need Vince Social upstairs, heaven. Uh, these angels don't know shit about wine. Uh, you're going to come up. You're going to come home. Uh, but we're going to give you one last night on earth. And you are going to have a last meal, a last beverage and a last piece of music to listen to as you float off through the clouds with your Coravan under your arm, maybe, or, uh, or your <laughs> Eurocov with you. Uh, yeah. So what are you eating? So I'm going to paint a picture because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm full boat experiential. Um, definitely would be sitting ideally on a yacht in the Mediterranean, <laughs> okay. eating a massive pile of fresh seafood. It's like been drenched in olive oil and lemon and sea yeah. salt. Uh, and some bottle of local crisp mineral white wine, maybe like a Pigato or something. Mm-hmm. And well, apropos, I'd be listening to My Way by Frank Sinatra. Wow. Okay. I love that. Uh, Sarah, thanks for jumping on. Um, how do people Thank find you. you? Give us your Instagram, your website. Uh, how do they join your, your, uh, your cool organization? Yeah, vinsocial.co is our website and stay tuned. It's, it's going to be relaunched actually in a couple months. Um, but also I'm vi- most active on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn. And then our, our Instagram is at vinsocial. So cool. thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on DOTJ. DOTJ, love yeah. it. All right, I'll see you soon. See you. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. And now, as tears subside, I find it all.